Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. This Sunday morning, we're going to be talking about the greatest birth of all, and that is the birth of Jesus Christ. So if you're excited to hear it, like I'm excited to preach it, we're going to have a great time. And the more responses that you have, the more that we know that you're getting it, the faster you can get out of here this Sunday morning. Just kidding. But Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 12 is where we're going to be looking at. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. If you don't mind turning there, it's the first gospel, the first book found within the New Testament. And once you're there, why don't you say, I'm there. Come on, if you need a second, just say, hold up. Awesome, awesome. And then you can also follow along on the screen. Anybody bring their physical Bible to church? I see, so I hear the pages. I heard it all. That's awesome, y'all. There's something awesome um, with that. We want to encourage you. Get in the habit of that, man. Start developing a relationship with your Bible. Start writing notes in there. I'm telling you what. It's been said like this. Oh, man, it may be too early for this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I wasn't planning on saying it. It's been said that dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. Okay. So this, this year... This year, get that Bible that's been sitting on the, on the shelf for everybody to see. Grab that Bible. Get into it, y'all. There's nothing like the Word of God. The Scripture says the grass withers and the flower fades, but it's God's Word that will stand forever. Who knows there's power in the Word of God? So with that being said, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 12 says it like this. You can go ahead and follow along. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when he had found them, when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And we're almost done. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child. And, and scholars believe that around this time when the wise men found Jesus, that he was around two years of age or so with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Help me say these next three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and, they myrrh, and myrrh they brought to Jesus. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Seeing that word way reminds me of Spider-Man that I saw yesterday. Oh, man, it was so good, y'all. I'm not going to, this is a spoiler-free message, but if you haven't seen it, you got to see it. All right. We're talking about the birth of Christ this morning, uh, the most significant monumental birth of all time. If you don't mind, every head bowed, every eye closed, can we just go ahead and just open up in prayer? Right now, in Jesus' name, we yield and submit our minds and our hearts, our emotions and everything to you. 
Remove every distraction, Lord Jesus, that would keep us off track, Lord Jesus, and and stop us from from receiving everything that you have for us today, God. Let this word, let this seed be found, God, and fall on great soil today, Lord. Let it produce a harvest, Lord, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that as we listen, Lord Jesus, that we're going to get understanding and revelation, Lord Jesus, and guidance, Lord, that there are people in here, God, that have questions, Lord, and they're looking for answers, Lord Jesus. Let us realize that everything that we need can be found in you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap. Give him a shout of praise one more time. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, let's get to work this morning. You may be seated. Don't get too comfortable in that chair. You may be back up. Thank God gave me a message for you all this morning. We're talking about the birth of Christ. Um, Like I had previously stated, who knows that the birth of Jesus um, is unlike any other birth that has ever taken place throughout all of human history. Like, just think about this for a second. So much so, y'all, that even our calendars and time periods revolve and are centered around the birth of Jesus. Where years are either followed or labeled by B.C. or A.D. So the way that history records this, get this, the way that, that history is recorded is that anything that happened before the birth of Jesus Christ is recorded with a timestamp B.C., which stands for, somebody help me, before Christ. And then we have A.D., which stands for, there we go, I heard somebody say the right one. I heard some after death and everything, but would you believe, would you believe, get this, if you said after death, you would actually be considered wrong, sorry, I kind of set you up for that, because would you believe that A.D. doesn't stand for after death. A.D. is actually short for a Latin term pronounced Anno Domini. That's the best way I'm going to be able to pronounce it right there. Elena, you can correct me later, right? Heard her pronounce it beautifully. So good. Anno Domini, which get this, that is translated as the year of our Lord. Meaning the, the year of our Lord, the birth of Jesus Christ, meaning that once Jesus was born, the date system actually starts counting upwards. So today, for example, one, two, three, four, here we are over 2,000 years later. Today would be considered uh, December the 26th, 2021 A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. The year of our Lord. And get this, this is the most popular and widely used calendar system in all the world which is incredible and mind-boggling to me because that means that every nation, every tongue, every race, every culture, every region, every religion is actually telling time based off of the birth of Jesus Christ. And to think, it just honestly, to think that there are some people, just think about that, to think that there are some people that think that there isn't anything supernatural or special or significant about Jesus Christ. Love Jesus or hate Jesus. I hate to tell you, uh, you can't deny Jesus. Regardless of your opinion and my opinion of Jesus Christ today, can I tell you something? Regardless of our opinion, you can't avoid Jesus. For goodness sake, we can't even tell time without Jesus. Oh, I know it's early in the message, y'all. What am I trying to say right now? I'm trying to tell you that everything 
in earth, everything that we see in the word of God, everything is centered around one name, and that is the name above all names, and that is Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, somebody. That's why Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says it like this, for in Christ everything was created, all things in heaven and all things in earth, all things invisible and all things visible, for all things were created through him and all things were created for him. And the Bible also says, thank you, Holy Spirit, that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, come on. Does anybody believe in the power of that name? Come on, does anybody believe that there is something significant about the birth of Jesus Christ? Oh, man, guess what? Even as Jesus enters the scene, even King Herod, he could sense the scope and magnitude of Jesus' birth and what was taking place. And you can do a study on King Herod later, but, but King Herod, just a short little history lesson, or a.k.a. he's also known as Herod the Great from Rome. He, he was an insecure, ego-driven, and power-hungry hungry ruler where he wanted everything to be centered and, and revolving and everything to be about him. So much so, get this, history even records that King Herod was so insecure and he was so concerned about people not grieving him over his death that he actually commanded and ordered for a group of respected and admired men to be brought into the area where he died so that way they could be killed during the time of his death so that way the grieving that he craved would take place. We're talking about King Herod right now. So it's no wonder that whenever King Herod is notified about these wise, was notified by these wise men about this new king, the king of the Jews that's coming into the area, that's coming into the region, that he would feel intimidated. So much so that he even tried to manipulate the wise men. He said, you know what? You go and find him, report back to me, and that way I can go and worship him. But he wasn't trying to worship Jesus. He was trying to assassinate Jesus in his infant stage. Because who knows, the truth of the matter is, everything is most vulnerable in its infant stage. Oh, you need to understand this. Everything is most vulnerable in its infant stage. So when God blesses you with the dream, with a relationship, or with an opportunity, don't be surprised, y'all, if you feel opposition or an attack from the enemy at the beginning. Because even Satan knows that things are most vulnerable in its infant stage. Before Jesus Christ is even five years old, he's in his terrible twos, y'all. And the devil is already trying to take him out. Before he opened up blind eyes, before he opened up deaf ears, before he healed the lame and the leper, before he raised Lazarus back from the dead, before he ever walked on water, before he ever multiplied the fishes and the loaves, before he ever was on Mount Transfiguration, uh, right before Peter, James, and John, and he transfigured, they saw the, the fullness of his glory and power and Moses and Elijah there before Jesus Christ ever rose from the grave before he ever went to the cross before any of that took place while he's around two years old the enemy is already trying to take Jesus out because things are vulnerable in its infant stage and King Herod as he tries to to come and, and take out Jesus God warns Mary, Joseph, and even the wise men to go to a different area. They, they actually warned the wise men. The messengers came. I, I believe it was in a dream or angels. They, they had heard. They said, you got to get out of here. you got to go to a different place because this is K King Herod's actual intention. And King Herod, he felt so threatened by Jesus. Get this. He actually ordered there to be a genocide in that region and in that area 
where any children two years or younger would be killed. He was trying to take Jesus. That, that is how heartless and corrupt King Herod was. But this morning, I don't want to talk about King Herod as much as I want to talk about the three wise men and the gifts that they brought to Jesus. And I actually saw this as I was walking out of my house today. I never noticed this before. But I have this little thing right here. It says faith, and it has a little star right here and everything, and it has the three wise men. And uh, contrary to, to popular tradition and, and everything, I know your grandmother probably has a nativity scene with three wise men, but did you know that the Bible never says that there were three wise men? It just says that they brought three distinct gifts to Jesus. In fact, we don't know how many wise men there were. We just know that there was more than one, and they brought three gifts of what? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They brought that to Jesus. Now, the, these wise men, we can, we can, these wise men, um, they were most likely a group of, of Eastern Persian men um, who were like priests that studied special signs and, and stars and, and astrology and stuff like that. We can say that, y'all. Because what led them to Jesus? A star. It was a star that led them to Jesus. And some scholars actually speculate the reason that they saw the star as a sign is because in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 17, you can look this up later, it talks about a star of David and, and a scepter rising out of Israel. So these wise men, they see this star as a sign. And I was thinking to myself, out of anything that God could have used, he used a star. And out of anybody he could have revealed this star to or this sign to, he revealed it to wise men. Gentile, eastern wise men who weren't even of Jewish descent. And yet that's who God revealed it to. Come on, and that tells you and me a couple things about this Lord and Savior that would come into this world. That this Lord and Savior by the name of Jesus Christ, God-man, God in the flesh, God incarnate, the visible image of an invisible God, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, that he would come into this world, not just for a select few, but he would come from everyone, from all, for everyone from all four corners of the globe. He would come for the lowly shepherds, and he would come for, for the wealthy wise men. Oh, come on. Is anybody in here thankful that we serve a God, a Lord and Savior, that doesn't discriminate? He's not prejudiced. He doesn't just pick and choose, whatever, but he gives an opportunity, and he's, and he's regardless of your background, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your upbringing, who's thankful for God so loved the what world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life it was to the wise men middle the eastern men from persia that came and they sought out and they found jesus and it's so interesting y'all like as you study the life and birth of jesus christ like how many uh, quote unquote crazy coincidences took place or what we would call coincidences took place in the life of jesus christ you know it's even been said like this that that god at times will speak to us through coincidences. But can I tell you something real quick? Nothing in the life of Jesus Christ was a coincidence. Not as far as where he was born and who raised him and what he did and what he said. Like I'm telling you, nothing in the life of Jesus Christ was a, wasn't a, was a coincidence. It wasn't a coincidence that God chose the Virgin Mary. It wasn't a coincidence that, that it was Joseph that was the adoptive father that helped raise Jesus. 
It wasn't a coincidence that right before Jesus is born, Caesar caused there to be a census. Uh, so where Mary and Joseph had to go back to Bethlehem, uh, Joseph's hometown, and that's where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It wasn't a coincidence that, that, that shepherds were the first to hear about the birth of Jesus Christ and the good news through angels out in the field and that they came and they were the first ones to visit Jesus. It wasn't a coincidence that a star appeared once Jesus was born that led the wise men to him. And let me tell you something. It wasn't a coincidence that Herod threatened to come and take out Jesus, which caused Mary and Joseph to have to go and escape to Egypt. None of those things were ever a coincidence. It was all God's plan and it was all God's providence. See, you need to understand something. Everything that I just said and beyond were part of prophetic words that were written centuries. I'm talking hundreds. I'm talking thousands of years before Jesus Christ ever entered into the scene. It was all written prophetically, pointing towards a Messiah, pointing towards a Savior, pointing towards a Christ that would come into the world. In fact, I'm sorry, I'm getting excited right now. But let me tell you something. If you study the life of Jesus, get this. He, he fulfilled over 300 messianic prophecies that were written about him so many times that we find, even in the book of Psalms and David and what he's writing, even in the book of Genesis, everything that Jesus did. Guess what? Over 300 messianic prophecies fulfilled. And let me tell you, mathematicians will tell you, too, that in order for one person to fulfill over 300 prophecies like Jesus fulfilled would be next to impossible. But who knows that with God, all things are possible. And Jesus Christ came into the world. See, everything in Jesus's life was pointing towards who he is and what he would fulfill and what he would accomplish. And let me tell you something else. It wasn't a coincidence that they brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It wasn't a coincidence. You think they were just like last second? I mean, maybe in their eyes, but in God's eyes, I believe there was something deeper than that. In fact, theologians will even tell you that each one of these gifts and each one of these items carried heavy prophetic symbolism towards Jesus Christ and what he would accomplish. Are you bored yet this morning, church? Oh, isn't God so good? Isn't his word amazing? Isn't Jesus wonderful? What I want to do this morning for the next few minutes and moments that we share here together, I want to unpack and I want to talk about each one of these gifts and how they're relevant to you today. You ready? We're going to talk about the gold first. Somebody say the gold. gold. Now, I learned some things about gold because I was told explicitly through the grapevine before I ever proposed to Brooklyn to get not just a silver ring, but to get a rose, not regular gold, rose gold ring which I was thankful I was able to find. I went to every jewelry shop in Victoria, y'all. Like, I went to every place, and I found one place that had it, y'all. It was awesome. I was so excited. But who knows that gold is, like, really, like, sought after by so many people. Like, even during the 1800s, uh, you'll find out that hundreds of thousands of people uh, even traveled from all over the world to, to the American uh, West Coast in what was called the gold rush, and so that way they, 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 they had high hopes that they would strike it rich. Even today, y'all, people are encouraging it more and more to invest into silver and gold even today because it, it retains and holds its value. So that way your net worth and everything can be retained and, and be built up. Even during ancient times, y'all, let me tell you something. Gold was so valuable, this, this precious metal that they would find in the earth. I believe it's the only yellow stone. The only yellow precious stone is, is gold. 
Did you know that if you study the Bible, you'll discover that even the, the Ark of the Covenant was made out of solid gold? Did you know that even within the temple, that it was overlaid in gold? There was something, and I believe that, you know, that gold was going to help, you know, fund uh, the life of Jesus and bring provision, especially as they went to a foreign area in Egypt. They had to pack all their things, y'all. I believe Jesus was there until how old? About 12 or so, right? And they came back, right? He, he, like, that was how God brought provision for them, one of the ways. But I also believe, y'all, and theologians will agree, that what this gold represented, it was pointing towards his kingship. And how Jesus is king. You know what they say? They have a saying like goes like this. That gold is a gift fit for a king. Gold is synonymous and it is like associated time and time again with royalty. So what am I trying to say this morning? If you need to know one thing about Jesus, you need to know this. That Jesus is a king. And not only is he a king, but he is the king. The king of kings oh come on you need to understand this that he comes from a kingdom see many times in history y'all many times in history time and time again a baby would become a king but only one time in history did a king become a baby and that was through the birth the miraculous birth and conception of jesus christ that came into the world oh come on it's, i'm telling you what there's something significant about jesus being a king so what am i trying to say this morning regardless of how things may look for you or how bad things may feel for you or how much chaos and turmoil and destruction may be taking place in this world and even in our nation at times who's thankful that we serve a king that that is seated on the throne, who's lifted on high, who isn't shaken or stirred or dismantled or afraid, but we serve a God who is seated at the right hand of the Father in a place of authority, who's in an intercession for us. And how is that relevant to you and me today? Well, that's one way. But if Jesus is king, and if you are a child of God, I guess that makes you royalty. Oh, come on, somebody. Turn the person next to you. Someone turn the person next to you and say, you better watch how you treat me. God likes me a little bit. I carry his name. I got royalty in my DNA like the theologian Kendrick Lamar said. Come on, somebody. He's not a theologian, but I, there's something about me. See, that's why 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says it like this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Oh, I feel the anointing. A holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, some of you... Some of you need to grab a hold of that revelation and understanding and begin to see yourself in a new light as royalty. And because you are royalty, you have an inheritance through Christ Jesus. In fact, let me tell you how val valuable you are. The Bible says that you are so valuable to God that you weren't redeemed uh, by, by perishable things like silver and gold. But the Bible says that you were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh the king of the cosmos the creator of heaven and earth oh come on jesus laid his life as a king as a king somebody shout out i'm valuable somebody say i'm royalty you're a royal priesthood royal priesthood oh man we can talk about this more and more but we got to get to the next one y'all the second gift that was given to the wise men anybody remember 
frankincense. Now, I didn't know much about frankincense, to be honest, before this. I looked it up, but, but frankincense turns out it's a type of oil uh, that, that flows out of certain trees. And, and it is still widely used in, in parts of the Middle East and Africa today. And when you burned incense, it's known for creating a, a strong and beautiful aroma, which was also used in temple worship to be burnt as an offering before God. So there was this priestly task that had to take place where burning incense at the altar ha had to happen. And it was all part of the temple system God prescribed beforehand and had established. So this frankincense was known as an incense, and it would even be used at times as anointing oil. Isn't that interesting? You know what Christ means? It wasn't Jesus' last name. It was the anointed one. But that incense was also used by, by, the, by the priest within the temple. It was a priestly duty to burn that incense uh, as a burnt offering before God. So people will tell you, and theologians also agree, that this frankincense was pointing towards the priesthood of Jesus Christ and how he is our high priest. What are you trying to say, Caleb? Oh, let me give you another little history lesson real quick, okay? Because this is, this is mind-blowing, y'all. Did you know that only one time out of the year the high priest could go into the temple behind, behind the veil in the Holy of Holies, which represented the fullness of God's presence and power and glory? And in order for the high priest to go there on behalf of the nation of Israel, he had to go through a strenuous task and systems and structure from the cleansing of hands to, to the burning of the incense from the, from the sacrifice of of an animal, and if he entered into that place with anything wrong in his heart, or if he missed a step or did something wrong, the Bible says that the, pri the priest would drop dead right there, and they would literally pull him out with the rope. They would have a rope tied to his ankle with a bell, and when they didn't hear that bell anymore, that meant that he wasn't moving, and therefore they would pull him out, and he would drop dead in the presence of God. Why? Because God is holy, and we are not holy. Oh, only a select few could experience the power of God within the temple. But I'm also thankful that over 2,000 years ago, our great high priest, he didn't come to abolish the law, but yet he came to fulfill the law, and he died on the cross. He was our high priest that fulfilled every task and requirement necessary. He was the sacrifice. He was our high priest. And guess what? The Bible says, <laughs> the Bible says that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and he said it is finished, the scripture says in the gospel of John, oh man, is anybody getting this this morning? The Bible says that the veil was torn from top to bottom. It was ripped in twain. What was the veil? The veil wasn't just a small bed sheet, y'all. It was a thick fabric and material that separated us from the fullness of God's presence and power and glory. And now when Jesus Christ died, metaphorically speaking, that veil was torn, y'all. And guess what? That same spirit that was only for a select few came into the world where God's spirit was poured out on all flesh on the day of Pentecost and the same spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave lives and dwells inside of you and because Jesus is our high priest oh come on because Jesus is our high priest that makes you a temple of the Holy Spirit oh my gosh thank you Jesus oh. I love what Hebrews chapter 14, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 through 16 says. Am I going too fast for y'all? 
Oh, I get excited, y'all. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 through 16 says it like this. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. That means that you and I can't say, God, you don't understand me. That means you and I can't say, God, you don't, you don't understand this weight and this pressure and what I'm going through right now. Because Jesus, God, he knows how it feels to be betrayed. God knows what it feels like to be stabbed in the back. He knows what it's like to be left alone. He knows what it's like to have anxiety to the point where Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is literally sweating and pouring out drops of blood from his body because he was underneath so much pressure. He is your high priest, and he is able to sympathize with your weaknesses, but one who in every respect was tempted as we are, yet Jesus Christ was without sin. Let us then with confidence, somebody say confidence, Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Somebody shout out, he's my high priest. Come on, somebody shout out, he's my high priest. Oh my gosh, anybody getting this this morning? Frankincense, somebody say frankincense. He was our high priest. First we, find, we found out through gold he was our what? King. Just a quick review, make sure you understand what's being said. Then through frankincense, we find out that he was our what? High priest. What about the myrrh? Let's talk about the myrrh a little bit this morning. Somebody say myrrh. myrrh. Haley, you can go ahead and come up. We're fixing to come to a close. Now, myrrh is known as an expensive spice, y'all. Um, it's an expensive spice um, that is held within trees similar to frankincense. Uh, but it would also be used within perfumes, but it was primarily used, get this, it was primarily used as an embalming agent to coat the bodies of the dead. As an embalming agent to coat the bodies of the dead. In fact, the Egyptians would actually use myrrh in the mummification process, and the Jews would also use myrrh to honor and preserve the dead, to honor and preserve the deceased. In fact, if you do a study, you'll find out that once Jesus is being laid within the tomb that Joseph from Arimathea and Nicodemus actually come to the, the burial place of Christ. And guess what they're carrying? They're carrying myrrh to prepare his body. That was the Jewish customs and tasks during that time. And I don't know about you, but if I had a baby shower, y'all, or when I have a baby shower, and if somebody pulled up with the coffin, or somebody pulled up with an art, because you need to understand, isn't that an odd gift for these wise men to bring to, to Jesus? Probably a two-year-old child. They bring myrrh? This expensive, like if somebody showed up to my baby shower with, the, you know, with that, a, a tombstone, I would say, you're getting out of here. You're not getting anywhere near my child, right? But they bring myrrh to gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Y'all. You do realize that even that gift, even that gift was pointing towards Jesus Christ being our suffering servant and how he would die on the cross and pay the ultimate price. Let me tell you how much Jesus loves you too. You can look this up when you get back home. Did you know that as Jesus is on the cross, that the Roman soldiers actually presented and offered Jesus wine mixed with myrrh as a sedative? to help numb the pain and make death more bearable. But you know what Jesus did? 
You know what Jesus did? He refused the murder. It was as if Jesus wanted to show us how much he loves you and cares for you, how much God adores you by experiencing the full weight and pain of the cross. Jesus had to fill every nail. He had to fill every whip. He had to fill every insult. He had to fill every single heavy breath on the cross. He had to fill it all so that way you and I can understand the severity of our sin and the abundance of God's love for you and for I. Jesus Christ was born to die. He willingly laid down his life. He came into the world. Even that gift was pointing towards what Jesus Christ would do on the cross. And the Bible says, I'm so thankful for this, Jesus didn't stay dead because the Bible says that three days later, Jesus rose from the grave, defeating death, defeating hell, defeating everything. And guess what? Because Jesus rose and because he died, that means you have life and life more abundantly. Oh, come on. Let's never forget what Christmas is about. Jesus Christ came into the world. He brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You went from death to life. You are alive in Christ Jesus. Who's thankful that we serve a God that came and gave it all. We serve a good king, a high priest, a suffering servant. You can stand to your feet this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Anybody get something out of this morning? I know it's a shorter message. I was thinking about, you know, how do, how do we close this? Because some of us, we've been in church for so long. And sometimes we forget where we used to be and how far we were from God. We don't deserve to be here right now. Some of us should be buried six, foot, six feet under. Some of us should be in a hospital bed right now. We shouldn't be living and breathing, but because of God's mercy and grace and kindness and love and because of what Jesus Christ has done, we are in the building right now. And you know what we do when we come to church? We worship Jesus. You heard it in every song. Let me remind you, we don't just sing words on the screen as Christian karaoke, y'all. We sing to lift up the name above every other name and as the name of Jesus. Oh, here's what got me. Here's what got me whenever I was thinking about the wise men. The wise men are carrying these treasures. They're carrying this gold and frankincense and myrrh come to, to Mary and Joseph and unload all the treasure and everything and see like what look what we brought you. You know what they do? The Bible says huh, that these highly educated, this highly esteemed, probably very wealthy men, these wise men bowed down and they begin to worship Jesus. Oh come on. What makes us think and what makes us think that we're too good or too cool to worship God at times? Let me tell you something I've been told. Sometimes we can try to act so cool we become cold. You were created to worship God, for I am not, unash I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is power in that. Let me tell you something real quick. Do you want to know? I don't think it's a coincidence they worship first, because you want to know what's more powerful to God or what's more valuable to God? 
than physical things like gold, frankincense, and myrrh, your worship. So I wonder, before we go, the worship, you can help me out. Come on, right now, if we can just lift up the name of Jesus and just sing it out and raise our hands and say, Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy to be worshipped. You are worthy to be exalted. You are worthy to be magnified. Come on, can we go ahead before we go, before we leave this building, can we just go ahead and worship Jesus? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit Riverside Church tx.com